0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Today, we're going to be um, starting a series titled Hacked. Titled Hacked and um, Hacking takes place when someone gets your username and password. And um, the purpose of this series is to make us aware of the spiritual warfare that is constantly taking place all around us. There is a great deal of spiritual warfare And the specific angle of this series is to focus on the unique ways that your spirit and my spirit can get hacked by the enemy. Because the enemy is crafty, and he... The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, what that means is today's message... Calls for holy introspection. Okay? If someone was to hack your computer or your computer got some kind of virus, you might hire someone or get a friend. To Look into what happened. Someone who understands, someone who knows has to look into what happened. And part of the thing that we need to do as children of God is sometimes we have to uh, participate in what I'm going to call holy introspection. It means you have to look into what's happening in your heart. We have to look into what's happening in our minds and in our feelings and even the way we are making choices. Holy introspection. Now, this is not self-criticism. The devil is a criticizer. The devil is an accuser and a slanderer. The Holy Spirit doesn't criticize. And so I want to make sure that as we are listening to this kind of, this is kind of a serious message, you know? Not kind, no, this is a serious message. This is kind of a heavy message. As we're doing that, that we're listening with ears to receive and to learn because how many know Jesus died and rose from the dead so that we could walk in freedom, so that we could walk in victory, so that the joy of the Lord will be our strength, so that we won't get hacked, and so, so, yes, there is a, a real kind of uh, um, seriousness and kind of like look at your heart dynamic to today, and the minute, the minute you start to be like, oh, just know, that's not God today. Yeah. Okay, let's just, just, let's just take in the truth. Let's take in the Word of God because um, we want to make sure that he hasn't slipped in and planted something ungodly and unholy in our lives. Amen? Okay, so what do we mean by hacked? Let's start with, with, with the origin of the term. Hacked means hacking takes place when someone's personal digital property is infiltrated with malicious intent. It takes place when someone gains unauthorized access to data in a system. Like there are these people who focus on accessing private information for, with malicious intent. This is a big deal. Okay, cybercrime costs the world economy, we've just learned more than $1 trillion per year. This past week, I met a young man who is getting his master's degree in cybersecurity. This is a gigantic industry. 68% of people have uh, passwords stolen each year. 46% of organizations receive malware attempts Each year, we're going to explain that in a moment. And in 2020, hackers sold over 500,000 Zoom passwords on the dark web. Everyone say dark dark web. There is not just the regular web. There is a dark web. And part of what you and I are going to discover is, spiritually speaking, Satan also has a dark web. Okay, there is a dark spiritual web. That is at work. It's the same exact way. It's the same origin. The author of the dark web is the same author that's going after you and I. And all of the private things of our heart and our mind and our, and our soul. So this is a big deal. Let me talk to you a little bit about the scope of cyber warfare. This is massive what hackers do is they try to attack any sort of cyber vulnerability. They attack governmental entities. Like it's been all over the news was, uh, was Russia trying to um, hack? Um, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the election, and, and there's all of this back and forth. Russia, China, U.S. You think U.S. doesn't try to hack? No, we're just, uh, you're just the good guys, right? So there's all of these battles. We actually have a general of cyber warfare. He's part of the military. So there are attacks against governments. There are attacks against financial institutions. There are attacks against corporations and obviously against individuals. In the end, brothers and sisters, the individuals are the ones who pay the price. The individuals are the ones who end up being the greatest, the biggest victims. That is the way uh, uh, these criminals work. And their father, who is the father of lies, his name is Satan. That's the way he works. He's after the individual. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because we have to understand that Satan is after us. No one gets a pass on this. No one here today should think, well, that doesn't really apply to me. It applies to all of us. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy Everything that's good, everything that's precious about your life, he wants to steal it. He wants to destroy it. He wants to snatch it away. We must be aware. Amen. Listen to this. This was a, a, a case study. Um, in 2014, Home Depot had a data breach. And so malware, went undetected for five months on their POS system. Now, here's what the POS system is. Is every time someone swiped a card in 2014 for five months, every time someone swiped a card, they had beforehand slipped something in somehow so that the moment that a person would swipe the card, the swipe of that card gave them all of their information. So they got their credit card information and the way, the way these hackers work is they get your information on one thing, then they try to infiltrate your whole life. Any error that they could steal, right? So, so uh, uh, malware went undetected for five months on their POS system, allowing cyber criminals to obtain over 50 million credit card numbers from customers. It cost Home Depot over 200 million dollars. And who knows the countless um, uh, lives that were impacted by these criminals. Now, here's the thing about this. What I've noticed is these organizations get hit, but when they get hit, they learn, they fix it, they address it, and they get better. My concern is not are the corporations getting better, but are the Christians getting better? Because I want to suggest that some Christians are getting hit and getting hit and getting hit, and we're not getting better. And we need to recognize how powerful, how insidious this thing really is. Five months, no one knew what was going on. What if you didn't know what was going on and the enemy was running amok in your life? Look at what Dostoevsky said. This is really powerful. He said the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. This is powerful. So a lot of times, people are being influenced by the enemy and they don't even know it. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture in a moment. And you're going to see. You're going to see that the enemy wants to become your personal counselor. The enemy wants to become your coach, the person that you listen to and lean on. The truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, is there is spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual dark web. Look at what Ephesians 6.12 says. Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this everyone dark world this dark world there is a spiritual dark web okay we have to understand and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms you know when my kids were little we used to tell them guys Oh, mom and dad are not being morbid but here's the facts of life God has a plan for your life but so does the devil and you gotta decide who's gonna influence you who's gonna shape your life just because you're a, the child of a pastor you don't get a special pass how many of you know one gets a special pass We can walk in victory. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus paid it all. We can walk in victory. But we have to be careful. It doesn't just happen. We have to pay attention. We have to be shrewd and be aware. Now, we're not talking about cyber warfare. We're talking about spiritual warfare. So let me define spiritual hacking. Spiritual hacking takes place when the devil gains access to the private places. Everybody say private places. To the private places that were created for our communion and blessing from God. Okay? There has always been a desire from God to meet with us, and to walk with us, and to bless us. And it all begins, it's day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. But it's more than just food. Man shall not live on bread alone. Every day, God wants to meet with us. And in that private place between you and God, he promises, if you seek me first in my kingdom, everything will be added. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of communion for just you and the Lord. Everyone here, no matter where you find yourself today, please listen to me. Maybe you're just visiting. Maybe, maybe you don't even know Jesus. Can I tell you, even if you don't know Jesus, Jesus knows you and he wants to know you more. He wants to be close to you. He's the friend that sits closer than a brother. Every single day, even on our worst day, how many know Jesus is as close as the mention of his name? Could somebody say amen to that? Hallelujah. He wants to be close to us. But see, when the devil slips into our private places, he poisons and he steals. And so as you're turning with me to Genesis chapter 3, Okay, the title of my message is, Who's in Your Garden? Because what we're going to look at right now is the first instance of spiritual hacking. We're going to look at the, the first time that the devil slipped in to the private place that was reserved for Adam and Eve and their God that place which is reserved for us, that place which Jesus purchased for us every single day. Who's in your garden? Because we need to understand that we need to get him out. We need to understand that it is not God's will for Satan to be in our private places. So before I read I wanna pray, I usually read the Bible and pray, but I'm gonna read and explain a lot, so I wanna pray right now, and I wanna pray that God would give us faith, that God would give us ears to hear, that we would really be open. Can I tell you, uh, uh, um, I've had this kind of theme running through my spirit, as I've uh, every, almost every time I'm sharing, almost every prayer meeting, We need to understand the gospel of peace is maintained through our spirit of surrender. You see, Jesus is the prince of peace. He prophesied in Isaiah the increase of his government and peace will never end. How many know we can walk in the peace? We can live in the peace of God, but the peace of God is maintained when we have a spirit of surrender. You see, and so the way you take in a message like today, especially, is with, Lord, I'm ready to hear, I'm ready to receive. So come on, lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for all of my brothers and sisters. Lord, I look at them, God, and I I feel love for them. I can't even imagine how much you love every person here every unique person, every individual, every unique story, every unique history. You know us fully, God. And God, you, you went to the cross and you died. You purchased, oh God, our lives so that we could be close to you. It's your will that we would walk in victory. It's your will that we would walk in peace and joy and freedom. And so, God, today I pray, Father, that we would have a heart that yields to the Holy Spirit and a heart that grows in relationship with you. If we're close to you, we have everything that we need. Bless this word. I pray that your light would shine today. I pray that there are people here who would be delivered from the lies of the enemy. I pray that people, Lord, who maybe who've been far from you would would walk out of here closer to you. God, do something powerful today. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are able to clean the house, to clean our minds and hearts, so that we are just positioned to be blessed and to have precious fellowship and communion with you. Bless this word, God, help my lips, God, to say this, Lord, with your heart and with your wisdom, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 3, but I'm going to explain a lot, verse by verse. This is part of the sermon today. Because I want to make sure that we get exactly what the Lord wants us to get today. So now the Bible says here, it says, Now the snake was the most cunning animal that the Lord God had made. Some translations say crafty. It means sneaky. It means, you know, deceptive. And I want you to notice that the snake... He's crafty, he's cunning, and he slides in undetected to places that are meant to be for us and God. He slides in undetected. What we need to understand is that the Garden of Eden was paradise. It was perfect. It had everything that they needed And anything that they could ever really want was there. Anything that could be good for them was there. But in comes the devil and he slides in undetected. So here's the key though. It was up to Adam and Eve to reject his presence and reject his voice. And in the same way it was up to Adam and Eve. We are not robots. We are God's children. In the same way it was up to Adam and Eve to reject his presence and reject his voice. Brothers and sisters, anybody watching online right now, it is up to us to reject his presence and to reject his voice from our lives, from our homes, from our choices. Somebody say amen to that. It was up to them to fight him off. It is up to you and I to fight him off. We are in spiritual warfare. And so, yes, we have to fight off the enemy. And he will over and over and over again attempt to hack into your private places with God. He's trying to get in. If you don't believe that you are gonna leave this service and by the time you leave this service, he's going to be busy trying to steal the truth, trying to make you forget, trying to get, get you to belittle what you heard. He is crafty. He is a sneaky. He is evil. And his goal is to rob the blessing of God upon your life. Upon our children, upon our friends, our homes, our nation. That's what he is. We need to understand that. And so, this is how it works. He gets into the private place. This is how it looks. The rest of this passage is going to give us some specific insight on how he gets in and how we need to get him out. Let me keep going. So, uh, the snake asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat fruit from any tree in the garden? Did God really tell you not to eat any tree from the garden? So I want to, first of all, say that the enemy, as soon as he starts talking to you, he starts to talk to sow mistrust. He's sowing the poison of mistrust. He's trying to cast doubt on what God said. He says, did God tell you you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, if they don't eat from any tree of the garden, they're going to starve. That's They had to eat fruit. But see, that's what the devil always does. He always exaggerates the restrictions of God. He exaggerates them so that he could deceive us. He wants to get us to think that God wants to withhold what's good for us. He's always trying to trick us into saying, Oh, God doesn't want anything good for your life. Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? He always exaggerates what God restricts. If God says something isn't good for you, it's because it's not good for you, brothers and sisters. But there's a lot of good available to us. Listen to me. If someone here is believing, and I hear this all the time, okay? Okay? All the time you hear non-believers and sometimes even believers, they say, man, it's just so many rules. Like God is always trying to keep so much fun from us. That is baloney. That is a big fat lie. There's lots of blessing uh, available to your life. There's lots of great things. There's lots of joy. There's family. There's blessing. There's lots of pleasure. But there are certain things that are just not good for his people. Somebody say amen to that. Hallelujah. I appreciate the golf clap, okay? But it's the truth. You see... And some people, they see this view of Christianity as as if God doesn't want anybody to have fun. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You see? But that's what he does. He always exaggerates, and he's trying to convolute things. Watch. The woman says, We may eat the fruit of any tree in the garden, the woman answered, except the tree in the middle of it. We can eat any of them, okay? God told us not to eat the fruit of that tree or even touch it, if we do, we will die. The snake replied, that's not true, you will not die. So now, not only is he sowing mistrust, now he's devaluing the word of God. Now he's saying that what God says is not true. How many know what God says is true? How many know the word of God is right and true and powerful and life-giving and freedom-inducing, freedom-creating? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the devil wants to get us to the place where we don't believe that even what God said is true. That's what he does. He diminishes God's word. Then it says, then... Uh, uh, he said, "God said that because He knows that when you eat it, you will be like God, and what, and know what is good and bad." He's back to sowing mistrust. You know why God doesn't want that for you? Because God wants to keep something from you. Mistrust diminish the word over and over and over again. That's the way it works. It says, the woman saw how beautiful the tree was and how good its fruit would be to eat and she thought how wonderful it would be to become wise, right? So she went from a posture of obeying God (coughs) to now yielding to her own feelings, her own sense of wisdom, which was actually the misdirection of Satan. She took some of the fruit and ate it She gave some to her husband, and he also ate it. Everybody say, bad move, Adam. Adam. That was a bad move. You see? Adam should have stepped up. I heard... I, heard, I, I I read the title of a book. I loved it. It was called The Silence of Adam. How many know God has to raise up Adams who speak up for God, who speak the word of God, men of God, who will declare the word of God and walk in obedience to God? Bad move, Adam. And then watch this. As soon as they had eaten it, they were given understanding and realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Now, what I want to point out to you is that they didn't become like God. They just lost their innocence. He said, you'll be like God. They didn't eat that and become powerful like God. They didn't get all wisdom. They didn't get all the things that God is. All right. They lost something precious. Something precious was stolen from them. Something was open that would become pain and suffering and hurt for all of humanity. They didn't be like God. But see, sometimes the enemy says, do do the opposite of what God says. Because when you do the opposite of what God says, you're going to walk in freedom. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. And it's a big, fat lie. That's not what happened. It wrecked everything. They were misdirected. They chose to follow their own desires instead of obeying the Lord. Watch this. It says, that evening they heard the Lord walking in the garden and they hid from him among the trees. Any choice that makes you hide from God must not be very good, is it? Plain and simple. You have decisions you're trying to make this week, relationships, business decisions, all kinds of things that we go to do, if it makes you hide from God, don't do it. Okay, no matter how good it sounds, no matter how wise it seems, if it makes you hide from God, don't do it. It's not blessed. Amen? So it says, uh, here it is. It says, uh, "As soon as they had eaten, they were they were, no, yeah. As soon as they had eaten, they were given understanding and realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig trees together. That evening, the Lord God, yes, the Lord God. Thank you for the verse nine. Uh, <laughs> that evening, they heard the Lord God walking in the garden. They hid from among the trees." But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? Now, just know, when God said, where are you? It wasn't because God didn't know where he was. The purpose of that question was for Adam and Eve. Like maybe right now, God might be asking you, where are you? He knows where you are, but do you know where you are? Do you realize where you are? Maybe you don't realize the position that you're in. Okay? But notice he calls out, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid and hid from you because I was naked. Again, disobedience always leads to fear and distance from God. Who told you that you were naked? God asked. Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? It always goes back to the tension between disobedience and and obedience, between trust and mistrust. So the man answered, and this is so funny to me. So the man answered, That woman you put here with me. (laughs) I hear it. It was that woman right? That woman you put here with me gave me the fruit and I ate it. Now, if you go back a chapter before, when she was created, he goes, ah, what a beauty. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Right? But his leadership fails. He doesn't step up and do what's right. And he goes, Lord, that woman that you gave me, double blame in one sentence. That's the way we are. We blame the other person and we blame God. You see? What's the problem? It's that man. That's the problem. No, it's usually both of us. Come on, let's preach about marriage now for a minute. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That'll be another series, okay? Let's keep going. So the Lord God asked the woman, why did you do this? And she replied, the snake tricked me into eating it. The snake tricked me. You know what the snake wants to do? He wants to trick you. He wants to trick you. He wants to trick your kids. He wants to trick all of us. If you're watching online, the snake wants to trick you, okay? And we can walk in victory. So, watch this. After verse 13, I want you to see, and I want you to notice this before I put it up. Okay, leave that there for a second. So God creates paradise. God gives them everything. God gives them himself. And they still choose wrong. So what's God's next move? Most of us think that God would put out his hammer of judgment and smash them to pieces, okay? Right, the the price of sin is death, okay? That's the price of sin. And if God wanted, he could strike them dead, you see? But he doesn't pull that out, on the contrary, as soon as they failed, as soon as, as all of humanity would be impacted, this is the fall of mankind. Everything falls. Nature falls. Everything falls. Okay? We experience so many things. We experience tornadoes and thunderstorms, cyclones, that all of that is the fruit of the fall of Adam. Everything fell when Adam fell. It was not meant to be like this. But notice what God does. In Genesis 3.15, here's what God says. He says, he's talking to the devil. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. Every child that would come from Eve, and that means us. He said, there's going to be a battle between you. Okay, and here's what's gonna happen. Her offspring, which ultimately would become Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, her offspring will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Right from the beginning, God gave the merciful solution. I will send my son and my son will defeat. He will crush the enemy's skull. We have the victory. Jesus paid it all. The cross was the victory of God. Hallelujah. He didn't call down judgment. He declared his love. He declared his mercy. When you fail, when I fail, does God want to call down judgment? No, he declares the blood of his son, Jesus. He paid the price so that we can come running to God so that we don't have to be see, deceived by the devil. How does God feel about you? He loves you. He paid the price to be close to you. That's what he wants. He wants. He wants to be close to you. On your worst day, maybe you had a horrible weekend. Maybe you've done some real ugly things and it's an absolute miracle that you're here. Maybe you're one of those people and you're watching online or even you're here and you're like, I'm here but I've been waiting for the, for the lightning bolt to strike me. I just want you to know there's no lightning bolt. There's just hands of love. There's hands that will lift you up, that will cleanse you and help you and transform you if you will just give the Lord room. He is the friend that sits closer than a brother. He's the merciful savior. He's the lover of your soul. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No one is stronger than him. No one is more powerful than he and his works, hallelujah. Don't believe the lie that Jesus doesn't want to be near to you. He loves us. This is called the the proto-gospel. This is the prophetic gospel from the very beginning. He said, Satan, you tricked Adam, but you didn't trick me. I already had the answer. My son will go and pay the price. See, that, in my opinion, is what makes Christianity... Above philosophies, religion, everything. Because never forget, never forget the Son of God came to this earth. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. He chose to be like us. He became one of us. And he lived the perfect life the sinless life, and when they crucified him, he was innocent, and he was saying, yes, make me guilty, so that my children will be declared not guilty. Anybody thankful? Come on, let's celebrate the blood of Jesus, (laughs) hallelujah. (laughs) Nothing like it, nothing like it. A little bit more, a little bit more, then I'm gonna make two quick application points, or sorta quick, okay? It says, and the Lord God made clothes out of animal skins for Adam and his wife. And he clothed them. What does that mean? That means that an animal was sacrificed in the garden. And they took, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. An animal was sacrificed. They took the the, the garments, quote, of the animal, the animal skins, and they covered Adam and Eve. Jesus covers. His love covers a multitude of sin. That's who God is, right? But watch this. Then the Lord God said, now these human beings have become like one of us and have knowledge of what is good and what is bad. They must not be allowed to take the fruit from the tree that gives life, eat it and live forever. There were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but then there was the tree of eternal life. If they eat that tree, they will live forever. Okay? And so watch this. This is very important. A lot of people miss this verse. It says, so the Lord God sent sent them out of the Garden of Eden and made them cultivate the soil from which they had been formed. And then watch this. It says, then at the east side of the garden, he put living creatures and a flaming sword. Everybody say, flaming sword. And a flaming sword which turned in all directions. This was to keep anyone from coming near the tree that gives life, eternal life. And what God said is that even though the enemy snuck in and brought sin into the world, he was declaring the enemy will not win the eternal battle. The eternal battle will be won by me and my son. And he flexes his powerful arms. He shows my flaming sword will guard eternity. We win in the end. Brothers and sisters, lift up your eyes. Jesus is coming back. Lift up your eyes. Jesus is coming soon. No more tears, no more sorrow, no cancer, no division, no hate, no anger in heaven. It will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's where we're going. Anybody ready to go to heaven? Come, Lord Jesus. Come today, oh God. Hallelujah. What a day that will be when my Jesus, I shall see. Amen. He will win. He immediately reinstates his government. The increase of his government and peace will never end. When you look at this life, just know, God never loses. Hallelujah. God never loses. So, Adam and Eve got hacked. We need to be aware of hacking in our lives. Hacking takes place when he gets into the private places of God, for, of, of our lives with God. And he does two things. Things, So we're going to hopefully bring this to a close, but, I, but please stick with me and listen. Okay? Number one, what he does is he tampers with your trust. The first scheme of the enemy is to tamper with your trust. Notice what he says to Eve. He's saying, did God really say that? God knows this. God didn't, I mean, what's going on? What's God up to? If you are living in a state of mistrust, you've been hacked. If he can get you to walk in mistrust, he's got you. What happens is, is when people give in to mistrusting God and then mistrusting God's people, what starts to happen is he has officially isolated you. It is the work of God, to, of the devil, to isolate. That's part of his strategy. Come on, you've watched those, uh, those um, planet videos. And what are they doing? The, the, the lion is, is coming along, or the cheetah, or whatever. They're hunting, they're hunting. They chase the whole flock. And whoever gets separated, that's who gets the, the enemy. He wants to isolate you. You see, and if you don't trust God... If you're not receiving His Word, if you're not, if you're isolated from God's people, then guess what? You've made the devil your personal coach. That's strong, but it's true. Because look, there's a disease. There's a disease that um, I think I know the name, but I'm not going to say it because it's probably wrong. But there's a disease where someone can eat a healthy plate of food. But their system can only digest about 10% of the nutrients. So they eat enough, but they just don't get enough nutrients because their system can't break it down. That's what mistrust does. If you're full of mistrust right now, you could be hearing a message, but you're kind of like this. In your spirit, right? You're like, "Uh, should I believe that? Should I not? And meanwhile, the, the truth is coming at you. And even though the truth is meant to nourish you and help you and strengthen you, if you get deep mistrust and roots of mistrust, it has a huge impact on your life. Amen. You see? Thank you. I got one amen. But it's true. And I know, I know this is not a lot of amens. We're talking about the devil here, but it's true. You understand? And this is why you have to have a, a, a tender spirit of surrender. You have to have an open heart. Because you have to understand if you've been poisoned with mistrust, then you can really be impacted. And a lot of us have been hurt by mistrust. Here's the way it goes. Let me give you an image. So the way it starts is a seed. He sows seeds of mistrust in your life. He gets you to mistrust God and mistrust people. And the seeds of mistrust become a root of mistrust in your life. The hardest people to help are not drug addicts or gangsters or whatever or terrorists. Those are not the hardest people to help. The hardest people to help are people that have roots of mistrust. The gospel, the blood is powerful enough to set people free. The truth is powerful enough to set people free, but when people mistrust, branches start to grow out of their lives, okay, and through the root of mistrust, then he grows into your life, branches of misalignment, misdirection, mismanagement. What do I mean by misalignment? Look, sometimes people get caught up with the wrong cause, And they get so fixated on a cause that they actually separate themselves from God. And they have all the reasons and all the justifications and all the everything. But if it's not God's cause, if it's not fully God's cause, and if you can't do it God's way, how many know maybe you're aligning yourself incorrectly? But when someone comes and says, hey, I, it's not that I disagree with you, but the way you're aligning yourself with this, this is just not good for you or for anyone else. This is bearing the wrong kind of fruit. But when you mistrust, there's no realignment. This is a big deal. How does, how does uh, God misdirect people? He misdirects people through mistrust. People start making decisions that they shouldn't be making, but they no longer have access to the people who could really help them because they don't trust them. And so it's easy to misdirect someone. You understand? Some people mismanage their lives because they think, oh, I got to go after this. I got to go after this career. I have to go after this money. You know, I'm going to put more energy into making money than seeking God. If I make money, I'm going to have a big bank account as if your bank account could save you. How many know there is no bank account that can save us or protect us? But some people are convinced this is what I need to do. Hacked. You understand? The enemy loves to get us to always be like this, looking out of the side of our eyes, at people, at the truth, at the word. So look, now what I want to do is actually give you our antivirus protection system. You ready? Ready? All right, I'm glad that you're clapping. So here it is. Okay. God's government. Everybody say God's government. God's word. God's people. All three are needed, not just two. If you want to be shielded from the attacks of the enemy, just know. You need three things. You need to be under God's government. You need to be yielded to God's word. And you need to submit, to be submitted to God's people. Every one of us, we have God-ordained relationships. Godly people who will show us his word, who will push us to be under his government. Those are the people that we can't get separated from. It's God's government, God's word, God's people. When you have all three, you will walk in victory. You may not be perfect. You might stumble and make mistakes, but you will walk in victory. We can walk in victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But look, let's talk real truth here, right? Let's talk plain and honest so why don't we start why don't we start with pastors okay if you look at any scandal there have been scandals with pastors in the last couple of years heartbreaking scandals major churches influential churches but big churches small churches Right? If you look at any scandal in church history when it comes to pastors, okay, God have mercy and protect myself and my wife and all the pastors here. Somebody say amen. amen. And let me tell you something. It is a pastime of people. People love to point fingers at pastors, but I'm going to tell you right now, put the jacket on for one week if you think this job is easy, okay, this is a tough job. So, but let's take, let's just take it. Let's take pastors. Let's start with the ones who should be leading the way. Let's start with the ugliest fall. The ugliest fall is when pastors fall. So, whenever a pastor falls, it's because of one of these three. Or all of them. Here's how it works. So, a a pastor could have a, a great ministry thing going. You know, Most once in a blue moon, there's a guy who's just shady from Jump Street. But most of the time, when you hear a scandal about a pastor, he didn't mean to do that. Okay, he didn't start out saying, I'm gonna do something shady and hurtful and destructive. That's not the way that works. I know I'm a pastor, that's not the way it works. Most of the guys are sincere and honest, but see, they get infected. We're all vulnerable to infection, to the malware. The enemy can slip in. So here's what happens. What happens is that um, the pastor might say, man, look at all this great blessing that's going on. You know why all of this stuff is going on? Because of me. We got it going on. You know? Wow, look at what I'm doing. Now, you need to know that the Bible says the gifts and call of God are without repentance. Now, what that means is that sometimes a pastor could be used because he's gifted by God, but still in his heart he hasn't repented. And God could still use him. I don't understand that, but it is in the Bible. That's in the Bible. The gifts and call of God are without repentance. And so here's what it means. He's being used by God, but his heart has departed from under the government of God. He's walked away from his covering. Any leader who walks away from his covering, okay, the the deacons, the board, the other pastors, like in my case right? We're part of the assemblies of God, the district of the assemblies of God, the district leaders. Whenever it's like, you guys don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. I was here first. I was here before all of you. I can do whatever I want. Whenever that spirit gets in, see, a leader starts to say, I got this. Now, the minute you get out from under God's government, now you start to devalue and misinterpret the word. I'm going to talk to you about a little bit more about that in a moment. But all of a sudden, you know the devil uses the Bible all the time. You see, just because you quote the Bible doesn't mean it's right. If you're not under the word of God, you cannot rightly divide the word of truth, the government of God. So just know. Okay, you've got to be under God's government and his lordship. He is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the one who has to be firmly over us. Some people take a Bible verse and that's it. And they make that Bible verse their own theology, philosophy. But they're ignoring all the other Bible verses. Scripture interprets scripture. So what happens is, is you start to belittle the word of God, and then you get isolated even from the people of God. Think about the mercy of God, right? So Pilate is, before Jesus, doesn't really even want to crucify him, right? The Bible says that Pilate was, and Herod used to have strife. So, but the people are pushing him, and Pilate's wife, okay, there's the people, and then there's Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife sends word to him. These are not even Christians. Sends word to him and says, don't touch this man. I had a dream about this. You see, all of us have God-ordained relationships. They're people that if you can't convince them of what you're doing, then guess what? It probably isn't God. There are godly people. We need godly people in our lives. Don't just go find people. Don't go find someone who's not part of the God-ordained uh, oversight of your life. Don't go find someone. You might find someone who's outside of God's government. Do you know how many times people leave and churches and all that? And what they do is they find other people who are not under the government of God. Of course they're going to agree with you. Go ahead and say, preach it, preach it. No, no, just go ahead. All right. <laughs> Right? That's the way it is. You see? he he. So look, let me give you a quick story. And I know we're going along, but this is so important. We've covered a lot of important things. Listen to this. So there was a man, his name was William Branham. A powerful ministry in the 50s, I think. 60s. One of the most remarkable healing ministries ever. William Branham... Uh, And I know this from personal testimony. My wife's late grandfather, who was a missionary for many years, the kind of overseer of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, he was in meetings, sat on the platform when William Branham ministered. And my father-in-law was in meetings where he ministered as a very young man. And he even told me, I remember Pastor Simmel saying, look, there was such, when he was on the platform, there was such a sense of the presence of God. It was like, it was so sacred and so holy. It was like, it made you go like this. You know, it was just heavy. And what William Branham used to do in his best days is he would be in a meeting, and I saw this on film. He would be in a meeting and somebody would come. And uh, he would stay there and he would like look at a person, woman standing in front of him. And he would turn to the people and say, now you guys know, right? You know that um, uh, there's nothing I can do. If the Lord doesn't come right now, I can't do anything. And so he would just wait. wait. Sometimes they would just be waiting. And then all of a sudden you go, the Lord is here. And he would say, your name is so-and-so. Your phone number is so-and-so. Your address is so-and-so. And you have this problem. The doctor told you this. Or you have this going on. And, and, and the people would be stunned. And the person would be stunned. And he would lay hands and they would be healed. I'm talking about so many. Inc- and I'm not talking about scams. Not like nowadays they have like microphones. And a guy. You fill out the card in the front. And the guy. Somebody in your ear says the person with the green hat and the yellow shirt. There's, this is their name. Not, I'm, not, I'm talking about the real deal. Yeah. Right? But watch this. Used by God. So powerfully, but at a certain point, he stopped recognizing. You know what this? You know what? You, you, we we get used by God, but all we say is we just we have a front seat, but we ain't driving the car. How do we know? I'm so thrilled to be in the front seat, but Jesus, you gotta drive the car. Somebody say Amen. But all of a sudden, it became him. And you know what he started to say? He started to say, I'm Elijah. I'm the new Elijah. Well, Jesus said John the Baptist was the Elijah. And this guy who was used by God and did so many amazing things and so many great things, guess what? He went completely off. Why? Because he got out from God's government. He started to deep. No, 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 that's not what the Bible means. Yes, it is what the Bible means. You see, it is what the Bible means. He got away from God's people. It always happens the same way. Now, this and this are sandwiched by this, the word of God, right? And one of the key factors is how we respond to the Word of God. He tampers with your trust, and then he tampers with your diet. We're going to be closing right now. He tampers with your trust, and he tampers with your diet. He tampers with... Look, if you're not reading the Bible, let me tell you what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said, Satan's greatest weapon okay, is man's ignorance of God's Word. If you're making big decisions in life and you're not reading your Bible, I'm telling you right now, you need the Word of God. We need to feed ourselves with the Word of of God and the Spirit of God will steer you back to the governance of God, back to the people of God. But we have to say, Lord... I'm open to be guided by your government. Everybody say government. Amen. By your word. Everybody say word. And by your people. That's how you know. So, last thing here's what the enemy will try to tell you to do. And we'll close with this. Number one, the word of God is not that important. Did God really say that? Did he really mean that? You know, I mean, that's not what he really meant. Okay, the word of God is not that specific. Okay, yes, it is. Yes, it is. If God said it, the way God said it is the way we need to follow it. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, I was talking about this before. Okay, let's take premarital sex. Just one of many. And they go, there he goes. (laughs) Okay? So... Is sex bad? No, sex is not bad. Sex is a gift from God. Okay, sex is reserved for one man and one woman when they get married. Okay, so God is pro-sex. There's a lot of babies back there. Okay, so God, sex is a gift. Okay, however, you can take a gift and a treasure and you can misuse it. And the end result is that people get hurt and people feel taken advantage of and people feel less than. When you do it God's way, you don't get hurt. You don't get taken advantage of. You don't feel less than do it God's way. That's it. So if your spirit says, don't be telling me how to live, I'm telling you right now, get under God's government. Get under God's government. Do it God's way. God's way is the best Way. It's the best way. Look at what MacIntosh said, and we'll close. He said, there's a blessing in every act of obedience, but the moment the soul hesitates, the enemy has the advantage, and he will assuredly use it to thrust the soul further and further from God. So look, come on out, brother. So look, don't you think Omar is 26 Been on staff one month. Come on, let's praise God for Omar. Think of all the places and all the things this 26-year-old could be doing. But he is a servant in the house of God. Hallelujah. Right? Don't you believe that this week, today, something like this is going to happen? The enemy is going to come along and in the spirit go like this? Don't you think he's going to walk by him and go like this? Right? So watch this. Let's say he's in God's will. Right? Just go with it. God's will is right here. He's over there, God's will right here. See, people's lives, that's this is what they look like. You see. Just for good measure. <laughs> then guess what the devil says? Omar, look at how far you are from God. Don't even talk to him, he doesn't want anything to do with you. And meanwhile, he's the one who's been pushing him. You see? Now, here's what the Bible says. Come on back. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God. The Bible says, we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. The Bible says, resist the devil, and he will flee in the name of Jesus Get away from my house. Get away from my family. Get away from my marriage. Get away from my kids in Jesus' name. We can walk in victory. We can walk in freedom, but we have to understand. We have to understand that he will attack us. Now, I didn't say this, but I'm going to say it now. Right? So... That's the way pastors fall. That's the way they get taken down. But guess what? The same way we get taken down, that's the same way you get taken down. Yep. It may not be on blast, but it's still truth. The disaster may not be that public, but it's just as devastating. If you are not under the government of God If you're not submitted to the word of God, if you're not close to God's ordained people for your life, I'm telling you right now, he's trying to destroy you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to take your life out. God has precious, beautiful, powerful plans. The Bible says his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect. But can I tell you something? The devil has a plan too.